Hi, everyone. This is Chris Lim with the Theotech Podcast. I'm really excited today to introduce to you my friend, Erin Dienst. Yep, that's correct. She is a social media expert with Crew and trains other people about how to use it effectively. And we're going to talk about everything from a theology of social media to how to practically use it and, um, yeah, and see where the conversation takes us. So, Erin, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Glad to be here. I flew across the world yesterday, so hopefully these aren't two jet laggy thoughts, but hopefully it'll be coherent. <laughs> it'll be coherent. It'll be great. Even if not, it'll be fun. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be more just philosophical jumble. But we, we, sometimes when you're tired, you don't know what comes out. And sometimes that's the best stuff. It, it's going to be gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about how you've come into this role of mm -hmm. teaching other people about how to use social media. Yeah, I... You know, I, I worked in um, campus ministry with crew for about five years, and I was starting to see the way that our students were getting connected. It wasn't, you know, always, it's not just about hanging up a flyer, but mm. they were they were paying attention to things that they were seeing online. And so, and this, this was 2011, 2012, I started like cultivating a Facebook page. Facebook was still really big at that time. And um, we would we would have people get connected because of some of the photos they saw. They saw their friends tagged in our photos, and and actually, a girl told me once, "You guys seemed like a relatable group of people. That's why I came because mm -hmm. I I saw my friend Troy tagged in your photos." And um, so I, I knew it was important, and I started doing that. And eventually, a staff person with Crew who was in this grassroots effort of using digital technology to reach people invited me to come to a training where I learned like, oh, this is actually a space that God can use. So um, a few years after that, I'm not yeah, I'm sure if you've explained Indigitus. Um, I haven't yet, oh, okay. so please do, please <laughs> yeah. explain. So Indigitus, it, they're um, yeah, a group of people who are passionate about technology and also about helping share Jesus with the world. Um, I, I went to a few indigenous conferences, a couple hackathons where um, I just got to be surrounded by other people who were using technology intentionally for missions work. And eventually I started to warm up to this idea beyond, beyond just doing face-to-face -face ministry. Um, I also just started to see God develop some gifts in me that I, I hadn't really valued um, in a mission sense. Mm. I think... You know, I, th I think that I thought, you know, talking to people and initiating spiritual conversations face to face, that's that's the real work. And, you know, the digital stuff is is secondary. But, um, yeah, I, in in university, I actually studied um, digital communications at Washington <laughs> State. So okay. I, that had been on the shelf for a few years. And so I, I feel like. God um, provided an opportunity with that and um, a few years after I, I, I went to that first conference. Someone from Cruise headquarters sent me a job description for global social media community manager, mm. uh, which I, um, I I served in for about three years. So you got to use your degree skills actually in surprisingly you know, for kind of missions, <laughs> missions work. work. Yeah, and it, but it, you had to actually experience that change where yeah before you thought it wasn't actually the most important thing. Right. That's amazing. So how did that light bulb turn on exactly? Like, what was it that kind of woke you up? You went to conferences, you were inspired by the passion yeah. of these other people. You realized that, oh no, this is actually maybe even this more important. This is a spiritual work. Yeah, I think it was being around others who had that vision too and and, and hearing stories um, of how God was using it. And 
there were a few times, even, even as I was cultivating that Facebook page, there was a time that, you know, when our Facebook page was not very popular, I think we had like a hundred likes. I would send like a follow-up message to everyone who liked our page. Mm. And one day, um, a girl who I had, you know, she liked our page. I sent her this message. Hey, thanks for following us. Like, just curious. How did you hear about crew? Um, I'd love to hear your story sometime. Would you like to grab a coffee in the hub? And she ended up getting involved and started um, walking with the Lord again. And she became um, a student leader who Mm. multiplied her life many times. And now she's serving with crew in Alaska. Wow. (laughs) Uh, And I just think like there, for me, there wasn't really anything really ingenious about what I did. I think God just happened to use something as dumb as like a Facebook like. Mm, Um, (laughs) But it's maybe not that dumb. It's just faithfulness. Or just, I think, intentionality to Mm -hmm. to see like, and to have this bit of hope that like, oh, you know, who knows what God could do, but I'm going to try. So So how do you encourage people who maybe do feel, I don't know, jaded or something like that? Because I can say like, whenever you're starting, you have no likes, right? And you maybe invite all of your friends, but it's really hard to break past that barrier where you've gone beyond just your immediate circle. Mm -hmm. And you actually have other people who are strangers kind of, but who actually like you or believe in your mission or whatever and start following you on Mm -hmm. these different social media platforms. Anything that you would say to encourage people who are trying to do this and need to kind of have the perseverance to break through that barrier? I think about cultivating social media followings as like a garden and you're not gonna see like overnight this massive success. And I think that there's many seasons where you're just like watering and caring for an audience and just, you know, just, you know, just believing that maybe one day, um, I think that there's things we can do to make sure our, our, our investments actually connecting with the audience isn't moving them forward. I think there's, there's, good purpose in in analyzing our strategy but then there's also a part of it that like i think growth takes time Mm. Um, and i and i think social media is a this it's all about earning trust um and and being consistent and that's not something you can accomplish overnight Mm -hmm. so i mean i'm sure there's other ways that you can try to game the system but what happens is that you don't really have an audience you just have until, until also that you know collapses on you or when people realize that this is fake that can also be really um, really negative and push you the other way so we don't yeah we don't want to cheat there but to see see audiences really value what we're giving them how are, how are we serving them is it helpful is it interesting is it beautiful um, those are those are the things we, we want to see that what we're giving is actually is actually valuable to people. So, so. How, how like how do you create beauty on social media or value like you're talking about? What mm-hmm. what kinds of posts are you making? What kinds of links are you linking to? Mm-hmm. What are you saying? I think it depends on what the audience values and thinks it's beautiful. I think, you know, Instagram visual beauty from, you know, even even just studying like what are good principles for photography and how do you, you know, how do you take a good photo? Um, the quality that we invest in producing good video and making sure things are edited well. Um, it's not just that people's attention span is short, but does it actually say something that is mm. um, that helps that person in their life? Um, people are looking to learn things. Um, so I, I think, yeah, there's there's aesthetics of what we're producing, but 
I think we also have like there's also an aspect of beauty that's like how do we how do we captivate them and capture their attention? Yeah, and it depends on the audience. So because it sounds like I don't know, it's really easy to have more of a generic like scripture image. Yeah, like for the, stock photos or stock photos because the Bible apps made it so easy to share a verse and then overlay it onto right. you know, a picture. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, it still kind of works because it can still be shared easily, but maybe it does cheapen some of that. There's just so power. much of that now. Too, yeah, that I think people want to see authentic photos and mm. photos of, you know, if if this is something, if a product or service or something you're offering is meant to connect with them, maybe it's like people who look like them or situations or experiences that um, are actually like feel native to them. But, so what's an, like so what's an example of a photo that you wouldn't do and one that you would do? Let's say if you're promoting like campus ministry or something like that, you know, you don't. Yeah. We have in our style guide, you know, some example images. I can picture it in my head of like very saccharine, like fake artificial, um, mm. you know, photos of like spiritual things or even um, there, there are some kind of really cheesy photos of Jesus <laughs> or, or like a dove and a, you know, obviously kind of fake you know, glow in the background that maybe our parents or grandparents' generation might have valued and thought it was cool. But mm. um, I think, you know, people are looking for, when it comes to expressing spiritual things, I think um, nuance and subtlety and, and something that maybe feels more authentic. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think there's situations where you can use stock photos, but I think yeah, and I guess it depends on the audience. For here, where we are in the northwest part of the U.S., I think they have a very, people have a very discerning eye, too, mm. and they don't want anything that feels overly cheesy, so. So, like, hiking photos would be kind of cheesy here, or maybe not? It depends on what you're offering. Okay. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're offer, if you're REI, you want hiking perfect. photos. perfect. Yeah, okay. but, um, yeah. I, that, so, I'll give an example, right? Like. Yeah. Depending on the audience, you could post pictures of your worship gathering, and maybe people would feel like, "Oh, I want to. I could see myself there, or not, right? Depending on what they see." Because mm-hmm. um, some pictures are more like a concert, where it's like all the lights are off, and you see like yeah. strobe lights blazing or whatever like that. And other pictures, a conventional one might be just a picture of a sanctuary with a preacher in a pulpit, and like all these pictures are telling, I guess, some sort of story that whoever's yeah. following you may or may not want to be a part of. It depends, um, like, some of those photos might connect better with someone who has context for Christian gatherings, but for someone who's not, a fo- if they wouldn't see themselves at that event, mm-hmm. it might, there might, you know, they need some additional steps before they can look at that and say, like, oh, I connect with this. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if there's strobe lights or people who are very emotional, too, that adds, like, an extra step of distance, so... So that's interesting because you were telling me earlier about this idea of kind of segmenting your audience and moving them along in a journey. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can share a little bit about that, like yeah. these different stages mm-hmm. and the kind of content you use that gives value at each stage. Sure. Yeah. One of the things, you know, a few years ago with Crew, we had a, cons- a d- digital consulting group look at our many ministry brands and websites and social media platforms and say you guys are a bewildering array of experiences (laughs) it's hard to know what are you guys what's the strategy here are you you know for people who aren't followers of jesus or are you for christians it's really hard to tell Mm. and one of the the things that we created to help us make sense of what we are doing was we created this special grid that you know helps us identify 
you know, who the audience is and what's the most appropriate next step for them. So on the x-axis, we have their spiritual belief. So there's four squares. There's unaware or content. Um, this is on the on the left side and then one right. Then we have curious people who are more open from more open to seeking. And then the next square is follower, someone who is a follower of Jesus. May, they may not be helping others reproducing that life, but you know, they're across the threshold. And then we have gui guides who are actively helping others in their faith. Um, and then the Y axis is how much um, level of benefit or experience do they have, not just involvement, but yeah, how much value are they receiving from us? We had um, you know, a consultant who formerly used to work for Coca-Cola and he's a strong atheist tell us, you know, I'm not really interested in going to a Bible study, but if you were to tell me to have some kind of event about how to be a better dad or how can I improve my community, I would love to join you in that. And so I think some of the, the sort of offering, ministry offerings that we have for people are kind of like that, are about um, leadership development or about serving along social justice issues. I think those are also value that we're offering to people and we want to chart that as well. So on this grid, we ask the different kind of branches of our ministry to identify where is your audience, um, you know, their level of belief and, you know, their experience of us. An experience a few years ago, I invited a Hindu friend to come to a crew winner conference, a mm. student conference. The student conference is really meant for someone who's a follower of Christ, who has had an experience with crew already. So they mm. kind of know about us and trust us a little. So my Hindu friend, who was more, she I would say she was more like open and, and had an experience of us. Um, but when she came to the conference, it was uncomfortable for her to be there. Mm. The conference started in worship. And, you know, I, I, I didn't identify this until later that, you know, when we speak more Christian, like so on our grid, it's more right and more up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that alienates people who are not following mm. Jesus. And so when uh, when I look at the grid, if I if I speak in a way on my social media that's less spiritually mature um, or, or you know someone who's not following Jesus I can I can actually still communicate to the Christians who may be able to pick up on what I mean but you can't do that vice versa if you communicate like a pastor um, to other followers of Jesus that that's not something like my Hindu friend can connect with so yeah one of the things that it's been helpful to see like okay what are we actually communicating to this person and what's their next step so that's very interesting because when i posted the talk that i recently gave about the second reformation i had a friend of mine who's not a christian ping me on facebook and tell me that he's not a christian but he really appreciated the talk he really admired martin luther and he read the whole thing and he thought that he completely agreed that churches waste people's time and that if it became a platform for people to use their gifts it could be very interesting mm -hmm. for somebody like him hmm. and I just posted on social media, like on Facebook, you know, that kind of thing. I wasn't intentionally trying to speak in a way that um, was less quote unquote Christian, but it mm -hmm. seemed like sometimes there's certain ideas that maybe have resonance with people, even if not Christian, maybe rooted in history mm -hmm. or big ideas or whatever like that, that it sounds like he was curious enough to say, hey, I want to go, I want to see what this is about. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that actually, because I get, 
I get bored of speaking Christianese or Christian lingo mm -hmm. or like, mm -hmm. you know, being stuck in a Christian subculture. Mm -hmm. It's there's something really enjoyable about trying to speak in a way that is still faithful to, you know, what, what you want to say. It's not bait and switch or anything. And yet it can still connect with people who maybe don't have the same context yet. Yeah. Like, I, I know it's an art, but it's like mm -hmm. that's such it's so rewarding and it feels like what we're working on is that much more meaningful than just being kind of stuck in a right. Christian bubble like ah, nobody else gets it. You know, only right. people inside this little subculture get it and that I don't really like it. Yeah. Yeah. With communication, I think there's like what we I feel like as Christians, we we want to we have a, a message to say, but does it actually resonate with their needs and their um, their pain points and their desire? Does it I think thinking about, you know, your conversation with that guy it was like there it was actually a really interesting topic um, and it, it had value in it for him. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it's good for us to talk about. I'm not saying that we we shouldn't talk about spiritual Christian topics, but how do we do it in a way that feels valuable to people? Yeah. And actually in that in that talk, I go into the gospel and I talk about the difference between the truncated gospel and like mm -hmm. kind of the new creation. Mm -hmm. And so whether he resonated with that part or not, he got it because it was part of the same message. And then the other parts that he mm -hmm. did resonate with, he got that too. So it feels like, I don't know, just like there's ways that all of this can be unified and shared as a whole. It's not, it doesn't have to be kind of parceled out of like, well, here's just a leadership topic that maybe would resonate if you're not a Christian. Oh, and here's like a Christ-like leadership topic which mm -hmm. for Christians. But actually, in, there's maybe a way that we can present it as a whole that mm -hmm. I'm not a Christian, but hey, what you're saying is pretty valuable. Right. And, and you're not hiding the fact that it's rooted in what Christ did. I don't right. know. Just a thought. Yeah, we don't want to also hide to like, you know, hide that where we have a Christian message or that might feel bait and switchy to people down the road. If I think it's good for us to be upfront about yeah. Yeah, our purpose and why we're here and what we're, you know, what we want to communicate to people. So two questions about that. One is like, how does bait and switch lose people's trust? Like what happens there and how is it different than the alternative? Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, bait and switch promises value of a certain type but then people you know as they journey with us then they discover oh this isn't really what it's about there's a i think anything that feels like a hidden motive um mm. yeah it can spook people you know was that you were just trying to buy my attention it feels um dishonoring or mm. it feels sketchy <laughs> yeah so. you just manipulated me because you yes. knew what i wanted and you promised me to give it to me but you didn't actually right do that to actually deliver or you know, now you're now you want to do this for me. Yeah, it feels more feels like a transaction all of a sudden. But. So how, what's the difference? What's something that's more authentic where they, you know, they maybe aren't a Christian, so they're not interested in a worship service or whatever, but mm -hmm. you did meet a need that they had and that resulted in something where they actually trusted you. They didn't yeah. feel like you were just trying to convert mm -hmm. them or something like that. What's an example yeah. that's like that? You know, I really liked one of the things that we did with um, the campus ministry with crew at UW is for spring break, we offered to people in a type of alternative spring break. And it's, you know, what we were essentially saying is like, we value the people of San Francisco and we, we want to take our, this, you know, time off to go and serve them. We partnered with different organizations, um, with some, you know, groups to help, you know, with environmental cleanup and with serving at a few shelters for underprivileged people. And we did some tutoring, um, and it was also a really great way to give college students kind of the this experience of something mm. beyond themselves. And I, I think what we meant by that is, you know, we're saying like, here's something we really value and 
we want to invite you to be a part of us, part, you know, to join us in this because we think it's something you value too. And the reason that we're doing it is because of our faith. And here's what here's what Jesus is like. He valued these things. He valued these people. I, I think too for the student at UW who values um, social justice, who values. Um, in a weird way, they you know they people value shalom, <laughs> so mm, peace, yeah, yeah, shalom, and just like the wholeness of the community and about restoring. Uh, I think I think that's inviting to people, and they want to be a part mm. of that. It's you know I think I think finding this kind of common ground with people, yeah, rather than rather than underlining the differences we have and and asking them to cross to us. You know we we're also going to them with their values and needs that they have. Mm -hmm. So a genuine interest in the common good mm -hmm. that's motivated by our faith, which you don't have to hide. That seems like a good, it's a very authentic intersection point. Mm -hmm. That's great. Have you found anything special about training people for global social media? Because I know you, you train people for other countries, other languages, which is obviously important to us at Theotech. Mm -hmm. What's different about trying to do social media for other languages around the world? Yeah, I find that with the, the people I'm working with, um, I'm a student of them a lot of the time. They know, you know, how to best minister to their audiences. So I think I, I really try to, um, I operate kind of as a coach asking them, you know, what are what are the, the things that, the problems you're trying to solve? What do you, what are your goals? I think those are, the, that's the first place that I start out with. And you know, I like to problem solve with them if it's, you know, maybe they're looking, they're shopping for a different tool or, you know, they're finding their page isn't growing. Mm -hmm. We talk about, you know, why that might be. And a lot of the time, I think it's, it has to do with, you know, some of what we talked about earlier, like is what, is what we're, um, what we're offering really connecting with the audience. And sometimes we haven't, we haven't spent the time to study our personas or actually, you know, you know, go and, and talk to these people in real life and see what, you know, what are they interested in? And some, some of us who have been in ministry have been doing this a number of years and we have these assumptions about the way people are. So, you know, a lot of times it comes back to just starting with the audience, looking at where does our message and their desires intersect. Mm. So, so did I hear you right that you actually will go physically and meet your audience in person? I think it's really important to, um, I just, um, I've been studying some resources about Gen Z and I think every person should have member, you know, people in Gen Z that they, that they know and that they connect with. And, um, you know, for me, it's been really helpful, um, uh, where I live to hang out with Amelia, a student who, um, is teaching me on what's, you know, what's cool, who, the bloggers she follows, who, you know, what she pays attention to on YouTube. Because I, I find even though I think I'm still young and cool, I'm I'm moving away from yeah. these audiences. And so it's it's really important to have, you know, have a friend um, have or even having someone who's in a, in a way mentoring you mm -hmm. on your audience. So in the next generation, how do you deal with the issue of having people at different stages of that? life cycle or maturity model or I don't know what you guys call it mm -hmm. of curious or you know content curious you've called it our like scale of belief okay scale yeah. of belief if you only have one channel like cruise twitter twitter profile or maybe a facebook page or something how do you decide which content to put out like who are you are you really creating a different uh, account or different channel for every single stage of that or are you doing it all mm -hmm. in one how are you doing your messaging yeah. 
Well, our ministry, we have amongst our many ministry brands, um, we have a lot of different strategies to reach people in every, I would say every stage of life, we have something. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would say for each ministry, it's good to identify what's a primary audience, um, especially when you're just starting out. It's good to have, you know, crafting your posts like they're intended for a person mm -hmm. um, and, and to, to deliver benefit for them. I think um, there is a, a social media, I would say they're beyond just one platform because they're multi-channel now, but they have, they have this really interesting strategy. They started out with a single persona that they were serving and based off of time of day, they, they know, you know, the, the person who looks at our social media in the midday is the young professional. So mm. they craft their, the content in the midday for the young professional. Then at night they, um, they believe that the kind of person that's visiting their page is like a bored, maybe lonely person. So then they craft content for that person um, mm. late at night. And they can get all this data from their analytics or how are they getting this intuition that different types of people are watching at different times of day? Um, they, yeah, they do, they do look at their analytics, especially at the times where maybe activity spikes. Uh, as they have a pretty large audience, like I think it's 1.7 million people, mm -hmm. um, they, they're able to get this, I think, yeah. seeing the patterns over time. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, once you, have, once you have a lot of data, you can learn a lot it from helps, it. It helps, yeah. If you only have like 10 but, followers, like it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think too, like until until you have, I, I would say just, yeah, maybe 10,000 followers, you can focus on a primary audience. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say maybe some people have different opinions, but um, it, it doesn't. So then you don't have to really worry about trying to hit many personas when you're under 10,000. It's better to focus on crafting your message that it, you know, actually connects with some people than to try to reach everyone. Because mm. if you try to reach everyone, you know, you're, you may not be your, your message may not resonate with people very deeply. Mm -hmm. so. And we can stretch yourself too thin yes, and not see yeah. results and get discouraged right. downward fast, downward spiral. Yep. <laughs> well, that was very helpful. Thanks for all the insights and practical, practical ideas as We're well. We're always learning and every few months the rules of the game change. And so, and you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm really expert or guru either in, you know, working in Christian ministry, I feel like we're just trying to catch up a lot of the time with the rest of the world, but thanks. Yeah, but I think that, you know, even things like authenticity, what it means to be authentic, there's something that Christians have to say about that and how we go about doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a big contribution, I think, for the field because mm -hmm. everybody is asking those kinds of questions about social media in general, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk about a little bit about theology of, of sure. social media and then yeah. we can sign off. You know, one question I think I hear from people is they're just concerned about social media sucking up so much attention and also the proliferation of fake news and also the narcissism of like, I think you had a campaign once about more than my selfie. Mm -hmm. Was that right? Yeah. That's um, right. So talk a little bit about that. What are some of those? How would you address some of the concerns that people have about the impact of social media on our generation and, and all of society? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think every technology has been a reflection of humankind, both, you know, created for good, but also broken. So I think we've brought to social media just, you know, our, our goodness and our brokenness too. Mm -hmm. So we see social media campaigns that, you know, raise a lot of money for world causes, but then we also see 
you know, fake news circulating and, and people, you know, doing, taking action because of it mm-hmm. in a, um, a damaging way. So I think it's a both and, and, you know, the response that we, we can either look at this and give up. I think mm. sometimes it's, that's, that's the easy answer is to say just, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's totally broken. It's no good. And God could have done that with us, but he, he chose to say, you know, we, there's still good here. How can this, how can this be redeemed? I think, you know, we don't need to, you know, I think as, as someone who's working in this, like I, I understand also the, the temptations and struggles of social media. So it's good, I think, for me to have boundaries. It's good for me to see it what it is and not believe it's this magic tool that's going to solve all of our problems and make ministry easier. But to see, you know, there's potential here. God can work here. He can redeem this. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a missionary heart is to see where the people are and go to them. And, you know, they're online. And, and also how, you know, how can we do that in every means necessary, in every space God can work in, in our workplaces and our families and online. I think he's, he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So. Have you, do you have any examples maybe of like a Instagram influencer or somebody like that, that you feel like is a pioneer maybe in redeeming this medium uh, for good? Or maybe you are with oh. what you're doing. <laughs> Where I live right now um, in Russia, I was talking to a Christian I know who's a, a ballet dancer wow. and trying to give him examples of influencers. And there is um, actually, have you ever heard of Tracy Trinita? Yes, from Indonesia. Yes, I really like following her. Um, I think that she's, you know, she's herself online and now she's, um, she's a former supermodel who's now working for Rabbi Zacharias his ministries Mm -hmm. and um i appreciate the way that she's you know authentic about her life and then you know she she shares about how god is working in her and her story and it's in a very winsome way Mm -hmm. um and you know i think yeah just she's you know she's esteemed and she's beautiful but also i think um i think one thing that people are really responding well to on instagram is authenticity and appropriate vulnerability not like an oversharing but like here's here's what's happening in my life and you know here's here's a struggle i'm not perfect but mm-hmm. where i see where i feel hopeful and where and for her it's you know where god is is moving i see that mm-hmm. um so that's you know she's someone i appreciate tracy turnitas excellent thanks yeah. for that example yeah yeah we can check that out all right well this has been very enjoyable thank you aaron for joining us on the theotech podcast and everyone who's listening if you have any kinds of um, ideas if you want to get in touch with Aaron is there a way that they can reach you yep um, Instagram it's edinst my first initial and my last name um, you should maybe spell it e-d-i-e-d-i-e-n-s-t great it means ser- dienst means service in German so, or Danke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't really speak German but my ancestors on my dad's side yeah all right and until next time we'll see you later thank you bye thanks